coming live from a torture chamber in Crawley. Turn up the heat a bit, turn up the heat. That's right. it. Sharpen that tool a bit. No, no, no. Just another notch on the rack, one more. No, not the hot wax on my nipples, no. No, please don't. No, no, not the clowns, not the clowns. The hot irons, get the irons. The coddling grinder. <laughs> no, no, please, anything, please don't play the beautiful south. Dear listener, is what happens to Crumbly when he forgets to write an introduction. I don't want to go to Rotterdam! Welcome, 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 dear listeners, one and all, to this, the latest in a long line of Staggering Stories podcasts. I'm Crumbly. I'm Jean. And I'm Adam. Ooh, and that's it. And that's it. What's oh. happened to Keith and Karen, then? Well, oh. well we have they think... been abducted? Are they being probed? Oh, <laughs> I think they might be doing some probing, you know, you uh, locked down together. I think, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they've given in to each other's amorous desires or oh, <laughs> maybe they can't the be bothered. The TV's broken down then. Yeah, yeah oh. the telly's broken oh down and you know, oh can't feel mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Yes, so we are a trio tonight, dear listeners. Yes. Anyway, without further ado, strange torture yeah, modes besides, it's the news with El Presidente. Star Trek Drange New Cast. Of course. Mm. (laughs) The renamed CBS All Access, the now unimaginative named Paramount Plus, has announced Mm. five new members (laughs) to join Team Mount on the upcoming Star Trek <laughs> colon Strange New World streaming TV series. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the pre-Kirk Enterprise team, as partially seen in STD, continues to be headed by Anson Mount's Christopher Pike, with Rebecca mm-hmm. Rominjian? Rominj. Right. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> oh, what, <Minch>? <laughs> <laughs> I with, might be completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, with Rebecca Rominjian. Well, means mm-hmm. I yeah. apologise, Rebecca, <laughs> and his unnamed number one, and Ethan Peck as famous number two, a.k.a. Science Officer Spock. Ooh. Joining them are names that may or may not be pronounceable by this reader and become <laughs> familiar to us <laughs> in the coming years in the form of Babs Olison mccoon Celia Rose <laughs> Godin, Jess Bush, Malicia Navia and Christine. Dina Shong, a.k.a. Doctor Who's Lorna Bucket, or Bouquet. Ah, mm, bouquet. The characters <laughs> are currently unknown, but we can probably expect the usual complement of a doctor, an engineer, a security officer, and so forth. Mm. Star Trek is rather predictable in that way. Mm. <laughs> Any red shirts? Yeah. Moving yeah. <laughs> on, season one has now begun 
but when it might be released is currently unknown to us mere mortals. We will no mm. doubt let you know. Mm. Mm. Surprised they just started filming. It's been talking about this for, for months and months and months. Mm. So, be interesting. Finally, we've got a Star Trek which is a bit more like original Star Trek, potentially. Mm. Yeah, it's very true. And exploring um, yeah, the crew of the Enterprise under Cap- uh, Captain Pike. Yeah. Before, um, was it the Cage or uh, yeah, Menagerie? Yeah. yeah, whichever you want to call it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could be interesting. It, I think what will be interesting is, because it's before Star Trek, the technology shouldn't be as advanced, yet you right. know we're going to be more advanced because the special effects and the thing, reasons why beaming was invented and that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how mm. they, they handle yeah. a retrospect without making it look disjointed. Well, we've seen this Enterprise already in, in mm. uh, Discovery, mm. so we know it looks rather J.J. Abrams, mm. that sort of uh, level. Oh, so it's going to be the revised Enterprise. Yeah, this is act- the same crew we saw in, in Discovery. Yeah. Same, oh, right. same pike, same number mm-hmm. one, same Spock we saw in uh, Discovery mm-hmm. Season 2, was it? Mm-hmm. They were very popular, which is why they got their own show. Right, moving on. Big mm. finish. Main range no more. Oh. Mm. Mm, blimey. This very month sees the end of the Big Finish Doctor Who main range. Mm, blimey. Mm. This 275th entry in the series mirrors the first ever Big Finish Doctor Who story and brings together a few Doctors for the occasion. In this case, Peter Davison, with his round, open, bland face, <laughs> the Colin Baker, mm. Sylvester McCoy and Paul McGann. Mm, four Doctors. Oh. Oh, yeah. Don't panic. This isn't the end of Doctor Who at Big Finish or even the end for these Doctors. Instead, expect a slew of box sets to take the place of the monthly double discs for your purchasing pleasure. 1999 to 2021, RIP, the Doctor Who main range. I I kind of understand why they're doing it, but I also have mixed feelings. Yeah. If you can't afford a box set, but like a particular Doctor, they're cheaper to buy. Mm. Although Mm. they sometimes have story arcs, in the way that you have a specific assistant or what have you, you also have separate stories. You can have, you know, a 50-minute one-off story, whereas the box sets tend to be much more linked. Mm. I don't know that the stories are always that good. A bit like the TV series, you know, if you're you're trying to set a story, there's always a filler one, whereas if you're just Mm. in the Mm one-offs, you can be a lot more selective about the quality of the of the products you put out it's almost like going from the old doctor of episodics that may not be linked to the new story arc where you know if it doesn't relate to the arc it's not in that season kind of scenario Mm. so Mm. i i would have thought it might have been better to take it down to one a month rather than Mm. two a month well it was one a month for the main range Mm. although there's so many other things going on as well so you had box sets for Tom Baker, or David Tennant's got his own series, yeah. Third Doctor, box sets, you've got yeah, all manner of things, First I, Doctor. I wouldn't be surprised if something, not the same, but similar, maybe a, a, a once a quarter single or double disc special comes out mm-hmm. to fill that void, because I say, whereas I might sit there and go, yeah, I can afford 10, 15 quid a month or what have you, I can't afford 30, 40 quid a month like mm, the box mm-hmm. set. Yeah. So I think they might find that they may lose some revenue in some respect, but obviously they must consider it's a, a financially 
viable thing to do. Yeah, I don't know how well the main range has been doing recently. I suspect it's not as well as the box sets mm. in general, which is probably why yeah. they've gone to this new. Oh yeah, I mean that does, that does seem to be the trend nowadays. I mean, let's mm. say we've we've seen it with Jago and Lightfoot. Yeah, there's there's no standalone episodes as such. I mean, it has been all box sets. Although, look at the last box set we reviewed with River Song. Mm-hmm. Only yeah. two of those are actually connected, really. Yeah, out of the four. So it doesn't have to be that they're all connected in some way. I don't know. We shall see what they do. Yeah, a lot depends on the story and the writer and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it it yeah. it will be interesting. It will. Mm-hmm. It, it gives them a bit of scope to do things. We have a box set where you've got a different Doctor in each one, but it's one overarching story maybe, or a few more crossovers. I don't know. Sort of thing which is hard to do with a, a monthly one. Mm-hmm. Swings and roundabouts. It mm-hmm. is. It is. Do we have any addendums? We have one sad one. Oh, oh. James Follett dead. Ooh. He was a British science fiction writer. A name I know, although he never did Doctor Who, if I was aware. He did Blake Seven. He did the, the classic BBC radio series Earth Search. And I think he did a few novels. He was aged 82. Hmm. Oh, good innings, yeah. Yeah, he died all the way back in January, actually. Mm-hmm. Not blimey. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, just, just announced out. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have an, an addendum as well. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Not Doctor Who again, unfortunately. Another unfortunate passing, this time not of a substantial age. Cliff Simmon. Name might not ring any bell, but Baal in Stargate might do. Oh, um, yes. The actor that yeah. played Baal in Stargate, he was only 58. Blimey. He yeah. also appeared in NCIS 24, Days of Our Lives, Castle, and yeah, a lot of American kind of like cops and robbers. Yeah. Very young. Mm. Yeah. Wonder what happened. It's just that it's, it's confirmed. I don't think they've given specifics of the cause. Well, it's sad. Mm. There's always talk of them bringing back Stargate in some fashion, isn't there? So. Funny enough, I'm, one of my lockdown things was actually is actually um rewatching it from series one because I always I loved the movie and I liked the series. Oh yeah. Um, mm. but I didn't watch all of the series in the end. I think SG one. Yeah, mm-hmm. SG one. It just. I won't say it went on and on. I think I just got involved <laughs> in other things and doing evening meetings and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, since how I have the luxury of time and nowhere <laughs> to go. <laughs> so I'm kind of like working through that as well. Mm, SG1. Yeah. I suppose you just want to hear TLC. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to. I, I've got the box set mm-hmm. of the entire SG1 series and, and the TV movies. I got as far as about two or three episodes into season two and then mm-hmm. never got back to it. Blimey. Mm-hmm. Must return to it at some point. See, I some time ago. I really liked the film. Mm, yes. It's the, it's the series that followed off SG1. I mean, um, Stargate Atlantis. I mean, what's the general mm. consensus of, of opinion about that? I found it, it was a bit of light fluff, so to mm-hmm. speak. Yeah. If you have a long series, you need a protagonist that can help draw that entire series along or some kind of jeopardy and it it seemed mm. to fizzle out more than anything yeah because the basic premise is very much like that of star, uh, star trek voyager mm. big ship you know sort of stuck you know stuck in the depths of space trying to find to find their way home i mean i can't help but sort of, you know, sort of think of the parallels between that and uh, voyager and lost in space, space 1999 well yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> any more addendums no not for me i think mm. that's it all right we are addendumed out Dear listeners, we've been watching something with four legs. <laughs> no, <we>? it doesn't. 
Well, in a manner of speaking, it has. What have you been watching then? Uh, unless that was the wrong DVD. Oh, maybe, uh... maybe I'd be watching Lassie. <laughs> <laughs> Crufts. Yes, Crufts. <laughs> yes, we've been watching a tin dog shooty thing, Ooh. which is Canine and Company. Oh, no. Pause for music. Canine. Mistress. Let's get the elephant in the room out of the way straight away. Is that Go not on, what, the worst a... piece of theme tune <laughs> and introductory graphics uh, that have ever graced the TV I quite like screen. the theme tune. I, I was cringing slightly at it. So. The visuals are terrible, but I quite like the theme tune. It's fun. It, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> Well, it's the 1980s, so what did you expect? I mean, 1982, and in 1982, it was still bad. Oh, dear. 81 was the same rate of one, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, they just gave up the world to live. Were they, <laughs> did they record that at the end, that intro? I don't know. Uh, no idea. <laughs> Sarah Jane sitting there, glassy-eyed, mm-hmm. wondering what she's doing with her life. I felt the same watching it. Yeah. And then you got canine completely immobile, sat on a wall or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, didn't even move. <laughs> oh, that's it, yes. It was Sarah Jane Smith sitting there gl- yeah, glugging glass after glass of wine. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Going for a little jog. Mm-hmm. This was the pilot. This was supposed to be a TV series. Well, yeah. It was, mm-hmm. yeah. So this so they, was the they, pilot. They uh, gave up two episodes of Doctor Who for this. <laughs> it's very obvious they... It isn't written by Bob Holmes, but it's definitely that kind of like Bob Holmes era style. You know, the oh, brain of Morbius had a Bob big... Holmes writes good characters. <laughs> I know. That's why I say style, that kind of like slightly <laughs> gothic. Yeah. It's a bit of fun. It's not exactly it? challenging, but <laughs> I can see why it wasn't picked up. But I can also see yeah. elements oh, yeah. of it that then came into mm. the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah. I mean, I'd say yeah. it acted as a good prelude for the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, sort of 20 odd years uh, here before. I think it goes to show how different they are. The moment they make Sarah J. Smith the central character, mm-hmm. rather than K-9, that's when it worked. Mm. Here, trying to pretend that K-9 is anything but a prop, mm. <laughs> it utterly <laughs> failed. <laughs> and John Leeson did a, a sterling job. Mm. Oh, very much so. But the writers had no idea what they were doing at K-9. <laughs> he had no agency at all. Sat around doing nothing most of the time. Always up to Sarah to go and do the stuff. And she clearly didn't really care about the problem. She was so grumpy the entire, <laughs> entire story. There was no... You think of Sarah J. Smith, you think of a certain twinkle, a certain sense mm. of humour, mm-hmm. and that was utterly absent. Yeah, there's no warmth to her character. None, none at and all. I think because her and K-9 have never had a relationship. You know, no, they've never met. after a time, they don't know each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, this thing turns up, it's a present from the Doctor, it's nice that he remembers that. But mm. she doesn't know what its capabilities are where it comes from, or anything else. So, although it's a computer and an inanimate object and her favourite person sent it, there's still no relationship there. Yeah, I think she's of the impression, why? oh, yeah, a present from the Doctor, how nice, and that's pretty much it. I mean, mm. Yeah, she doesn't go to ask why. Mm-hmm. Well, why, Doctor, have you sent me this yeah. <laughs> robot dog? <laughs> <laughs> how long has it been sat in the attic in Croydon? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose Croydon's as good a place as any, I suppose. <laughs> oh, the two old biddies at the start, I mean, I assume one of them was uh, Sarah Jane's aunt. Yes. I have never seen a woman so maxed out with jewellery 
and chains and <laughs> necklaces and such. I mean, I thought she was the female equivalent of Mr. T. <laughs> I mean, I would have thought she would open her mouth and say, shut up, fool. <laughs> would have been more entertaining. Uh, <laughs> that was a very odd way to start it. Yeah. That little two-head conversation, which was really dull, <laughs> didn't engage you at all, didn't draw you into the mystery or anything. Just these talking about, what? what? Mm. Why am I meant to care? <laughs> what are you talking about? Who are you? <laughs> Draw me into this story, please. What, what are you doing? <laughs> well, it could have been worse. It could have been two old biddies in a nursing home yeah, sort of saying, <laughs> who, what, and where's the tea? I mean, it's all... <laughs> May as well have been. <laughs> <laughs> the overall story was quite entertaining, investig- investigating witchcraft in a small um, English you know, English village. I think it was meant to be a, a bit of riff on... I'd never seen it, actually. Mm-hmm. A bit of riff on... Um, Oh, uh, Wicker Man. Is that sort of thing? I yeah. always, I thought immediately of Hot Fuzz. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. why couldn't this be more like Hot Fuzz? That's fun. <laughs> it didn't have the trolley boy in it. No. <laughs> no. Yarp. I think we, you, the, the thing with it all, though, also is that there were aspects of, of it that hacked off the pagan me, but I, I kind of like ignore those. <laughs> you get used to it. But it was almost like there was no reason for the coven there. It's yeah, you know, no. it's tradition. It's done, but passing saying, "Oh, the strongest point of the year is the mid midwinter solstice." But there was no investment in the characters. There was no feeling no. of mm-hmm. danger or anything else. No, it was really the device for the the mystery. But it was just so. I won't say lazily done, but there was just no depth to it. There wasn't a lot of depth to a lot of the characters in this. There wasn't a lot of depth to the story behind it. It was very superficial, I think, in many ways. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's a real shame. You've got some great actors in there, like Ooh. Colin Jeevens, Max Cordoblin from... Uh, oh, um, yes. Yeah. yeah, Hitchhikers, yeah. Yeah. Um, Stamper, wasn't he, from House of Cards. He's got a lot of great roles behind him. But here, okay, he's one of the more interesting characters, but still, Ooh. he didn't do much of it. All these characters are introduced, and you don't really care about them. They I imply think, that the yeah. uh, the bakers are the baddies, mm-hmm. and then they does not. Okay. It's an interesting misdirectional potentially could be but it doesn't really feel like it went anywhere i think it's only because they only have 45 minutes i mean introducing sort of a wide variety of characters it didn't really give them uh, any screen time and it didn't really give them much time to sort of flesh the characters out as such oh yeah 50 minutes but yeah all these villagers i don't know Are they, were they thinking ahead to the the series i think we need these characters for the mm, series it's a possibility yeah but then it would have been better to not introduce them so many and just have them come later but i don't yeah. know because it's it's a right to have misdirection but when you have no other direction to go in, yeah, yeah. it's basically <laughs> going to be the lady that worked in the post office or the bakers, <laughs> basically. That that yeah, is your options yeah. on who the leader of this this female leader of the cult is, because they're the only two women you've seen in this so <laughs> yeah, far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Apart from Aunt uh, Lavinia or whatever her name was, yeah, yeah. Um, who has so mysteriously disappeared. That's it. Yeah. Your investment mm-hmm. in a lot of the characters wasn't there. If it was going to be 50 minutes, they either needed to make it longer to allow them to have that time or have chosen a different type of story. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's an odd one because if you, you take a Doc 2 character, as they did with Sarah Jane Adventures, so what do you do? You make it sort of Doc 2-like. Mm-hmm. You have aliens and things like that. So like Torture, like Sarah Jane Adventures, it is clearly in the same world as Doctor Who. But mm. here, 
It's just like an episode of Midsummer Murder or something. (laughs) (laughs) The closest you came is it maybe had slight homages of Stones of Blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then again, there were aliens there. This is it. Here, the implication is there was black magic, but there mm-hmm. wasn't, was there? No, no. It was just a, it was just a coven getting together and sort of doing some chanting and maybe the occasional sacrifice. Well, yeah, the first sacrifice into about eighteen twenty or something like that. There was no sort of supernatural or um, yeah, extraterrestrial menace in it. It, w- it would have been no. more interesting if Aunt Lavinia had disappeared off and. You know, something was poisoning the soil to this garden mm. centre they mm. have, and Sakani and the boy discover that there's some kind of alien seed pod that had landed, and that's what's in- yeah. And you got that kind of link, but mm. and give more reason for K9 to be there too. Yeah, because K9 and- would have knowledge of alien stuff that Sarah Jane wouldn't necessarily have. Obviously, she travelled, but she wouldn't have the detailed knowledge the Doctor has, but K9 might. Mm. And I know it's a different writing style. You look at what they fit in in 15 minutes now, and yes, sometimes yeah, yeah. the stories are good and something, but you look at something like The Doctor's Wife, that's mm. 50 minutes long. It's less than, like, 44. Yeah, for, that's a really compact, but it tells you a lot in that short time. Yeah. You look mm-hmm. at really most compelling characters, too. Christopher Leckerson stuff, it's really compact. Maybe mm. not the ones where you're doing a story arc, but when you're getting these kind of, like, standalone episodes within Doctor Who, a lot of them are really, really... <laughs> Good. Now, I know the pacing of TV has changed, mm. and that, that's mm. a lot of, to it. But if you haven't got that pacing, then you can't tell that story in that time. If your pacing mm. is slower, you need to give yourself more time to tell that story. And I think that's, that's really where it suffered. The story wasn't the best story to choose. It was of its time. There was a big resurgence in the occult and the interesting. You had Children of the Stones. You had a lot of kind of like weird and wonderful tv omega factor around about this same time and in this mm. era i kind of like watch it as a bit of fluff and it's mm. lovely oh, to see this so, yeah. laden but it isn't mm. i can see why it didn't go any further but it was nice mm. they got john neeson mm. for the voice yeah. oh yeah how could they not i mean why, why would you do k9 and company without john neeson <laughs> jnt he's the mastermind behind this Mm-hmm. And right he now. literally sacrificed two episodes of Doctor Who to make this. Mm. That's where the budget came mm-hmm. from. So this is effectively the same length story as Black Orchid, for example, mm-hmm. which achieves a lot more in its two episodes, I would say, oh. than this does. Yeah, I can see why JNT wanted to bring Sarah J. Smith back. He killed off K9. He wrote K9 mm-hmm. out of the series. Odd choice for him to bring K9 back for a, his own series, I would have thought. But, you know, they, they tried... But, yeah, I think, as I say, the writing was lacking. The directing mm. was particularly poor, I would say. <laughs> there was no suspense to it. Technically, the, the cinematography wasn't all that. They got terrible performances out of pretty much the entire cast. <laughs> I mean, even Liz Sladen was not on top form. And this was her own spin-off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true, yeah. I think some of it is because they, they there was that lack of direction, is it? K9 yeah. and company, or is it Sarah mm. Jane? Plus yeah. K9, yeah. That's it. I think that's why the Sarah Jane adventures worked better, because it was Sarah Jane. Yeah. I can see why Brendan became... Oh, God, yes. I can't remember the name of the lad, but why she ended up with her son, mm. because you oh, need... Uh, Luke. Mm. Luke, yeah. that's it. Because you needed that routine to the younger viewer, but you also needed that extra character there, I think, to some extent. I mean, in this mm. one, Brendan is just... A foil, yeah. He's the thing to be kidnapped for her to go and rescue. And and the bizarre knowledge of 
canines in the workings. Yeah, yeah. How do you know about any of this stuff? Uh, A couple of relevant points I must um, bring up. Um, Mm -hmm. The fact is that Sarah Jane Smith never fell down the uh, slope of moderate inconvenience. No. (laughs) There again, as I said previously, this is very much a prelude to uh, the Sarah Jane uh, adventures. I mean, because in a way, she is working with a computer, Mr. Smith, Mm. in uh, the the Sarah Jane adventures. Mm -hmm. I've only watched a few episodes of uh, Sarah Jane adventures, and um, I don't know how much... Yeah, sort of predominance of Mr. Smith is in yeah, in each episode. It varies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, sometimes I mean, he's, he's not in it at all, and sometimes mm-hmm. he's yeah. he's the main yeah. not main character, but he, he's the he's, he's, yeah the main plot. Yeah, and, and obviously he had K nine too occasionally. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, yeah, he comes back more often towards the middle. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, and then goes well, off at the end with Luke. Uh, was it school reunion? I mean, that was pretty much the prelude to K nine and uh, Sarah Jane sort of being reunited again. Yeah. I think it's interesting that that half a minute or so of K-9 and Sarah Jane and the five Doctors, Mm -hmm. you feel like there's more of a connection in that short scene Mm, than there is in the entire (laughs) of the story. Some some surprising stats here, considering how we're looking back on this. Apparently, Mm. at the time, it got 8.4 million viewers. Yeah. Which Mm. was more than the five Doctors that got 7.7. That is crazy, isn't it? Um, (laughs) And it got higher than above average ratings. But Bill Cotton decided not Mm -hmm. to go for um, a a series. Mm. Yeah, it was was more than an average episode. Yeah, but then it was over between Christmas and New Year, wasn't it, I think? Mm. Uh, It was 28th December, yeah, 81. So it was in that Mm. Christmassy period. Yeah, apparently Bill Cotton approved the series, but then his replacement, Alan Hart, dislikes mm-hmm. the idea. Mm-hmm. Isn't it surprising how many times Doctor Who is affected by, not by ratings, not by money it's bringing in or anything else, but because of someone's prejudice against the programme, against science fiction or what have you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and the BBC should be... Unbiased. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, if, in theory. If it's mm. something which people enjoy you should just put it on isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> people are paying the license for you <laughs> it's lowbrow dear heart we're supposed to be highbrow <laughs> <laughs> mind you one thing i must point out that dates it horribly especially for me mm-hmm. sarah jane smith driving around in a mini metro mm. i learned to drive i learned to drive in a mini metro <laughs> metro metropolitan <laughs> that that was a w reg the same mm-hmm. reg as my first ever car blimey mm-hmm. okay, it's 1981 reg which yeah. makes sense this is 81 mm-hmm. so it must have been a new car at the time mm-hmm. and the the manual typewriter, yeah, looks oh, yes. a bit weird, but even still now, no. there are some writers that still use manual typewriters oh, yeah, rather yeah. than laptops. Yeah. And, okay, I, I didn't miss things like the mobile phone, except for when the phone went down. But then, on the other hand, sometimes <laughs> if you've gone away, maybe if she's trying to retreat to write, she's got rid of that. I mean, now you'd have to deal with things like the mobile phone and mm. the computer. Mm. And how K9 can't figure out to her to how to wire a phone line. <laughs> yeah, the phone's two gone down. Those two, two <laughs> strands of metal, it's far too complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so, shall we ask our dear listeners what to contact us to mm. let us know what they thought of K9 and company. Yes, please tell us what good things about it we've entirely missed. <laughs> <laughs> I could find very few. <laughs> you can contact us at show at staggering stories dot net. Woohoo! <laughs> Two script editors and that thing. Didn't feel like it. <laughs> what do we like? It's only one script editor. Better or worse? <laughs> I 
Oh, speaking of doctors. Oh, hang on a second. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'm being glared at. Are you? Are you? Mm, yes. Over the interwebs. Have you scared fla- the pert we raise for months now? <laughs> he's, he's flaring his nostrils at me. Oh, dear. Oh, his Tramzan nostrils. <laughs> One, two, three. Two, three. Hello, Hello head of Pertwee. And various other things around your house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cardboard, yeah. Amy, orange. <laughs> Terrence up there. Mm. Uh, ter- oh, Terence, yes. No relation to Terence Dudley, you wrote uh, K9 and mm. Company. A girl's best friend. <laughs> Fez wearing yeah, moment. Weird title. <laughs> and the assorted other menagerie. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, apart from watching K9, what else have we been watching? Mm. Well, something I saw before I started working where I currently work, and I remember seeing this at the uh, mm. movie house, but I haven't seen it for many, many years. Mm. And shock horror, something Adam had never seen before. Indeed, I never oh, have. Blimey. It is E.T., the extraterrestrial. Oh, pause for music. music. Yes and true, I've never seen E.T. before. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. When did it come out? It came out... 1982. So I would have been about, what would I be, eight? But probably, crucially, my brother would have been about four. Mm-hmm. So probably too young. That's probably why I didn't see much in the way of films at that age. Yes. I must confess, Mean, I have seen snippets of it, but um, I only saw the film in its, in its entirety about, mm, about three or four years ago, something like that. Mm. God, I feel old. I actually saw this at the <laughs> cinema. <laughs> I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, you were a tad older. That's a, mm, I've had it on Blu-ray for probably seven or eight years, but I've deliberately mm. not watched it because I knew eventually mm. we'd, we'd cover it. Yeah. And here we finally are. Yeah, it's been a long time since I watched this, so I did enjoy watching it. I had totally and utterly forgotten about the opening scenes inside the E.T. parents' spaceship. Mm. Oh, OK. All right. Mm. I'd, I'd forgotten those completely, and I thought they were yeah. actually quite nicely done. All their little plants they're trying to cultivate. Mm. and That's it. So we've got a group of aliens going from planet to planet, apparently, mm. stealing people's flowers. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, think, I think the general premise are botanists. Yeah. Mm. yeah. They're not here to probe anyone. No, no. And well, they're... I don't know. Why has he got that glowing finger? <laughs> mm, yeah, that's true. Oh. <laughs> they're collecting plants, and, and little baby E.T., the youngest of the family, mm. wanders off, oh. and the bad guys turn up, and they send the home in signal, and he doesn't make it home in time. Oh. And has to hide. Mm-hmm. I remember the cinematography being quite interesting, but well, looking back on it, mm. yeah. you do not see, other than the mother... All adults mm-hmm. are faceless until they are until the end I, of the... I noted down until, one hour twenty. Yeah, very end, yeah. yeah. It's one hour twenty before you see another another adult's he, face. He <laughs> deliberately concentrated on things like the kids because the idea was to do it from the ET and and Elliot's the child's eye line, mm, and you basically yeah. got you know the important adults in my life and everyone else's faceless authority. And I mm-hmm. thought it was very, very well done. Even things like at the beginning scenes, having them all running around with the flashlights, but you just saw the adults in silhouette. Mm, yeah. So even if it was full face, it was shadowed and that kind of thing. As you say, you don't see any adults until sort of later on in the film. It's very much like um, Close Encounters. You don't actually see the aliens until the last half hour of the movie. So. Mm. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Spielberg's saying he was inspired to write E.T. Mm. whilst he was doing... Close Encounters. All right. The alien at the end, mm-hmm. going into his ship, the last one. Yeah. And he thought, 
what would happen if that alien got left behind? Ah. And that's what kicked off the idea for this, apparently. And it, it is so, so Spielberg now, it, it hurts. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you look at Stranger Things, I was constantly reminded of Stranger Things while I was watching mm-hmm. this. You can see where Stranger Things have taken so much of that Spielberg tropes, really. The group of kids playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons, got them mm-hmm. out on their bikes. Yep. The telekinesis. I remember people saying the bit where Eleven makes a van flip over was reminiscent of E.T. Mm. I can see what they're, they're saying now. Mm. Mm. Another comparison I can draw between E.T. and uh, Close Encounters is um, the first encounters between aliens are always between the extraterrestrial and the child. The scene in uh, Close Encounters where the kid goes in the kitchen and he sees what apparently is one of the aliens rummaging around in the fridge. <laughs> what is it with aliens and fridges? They come all this way and they rummage through the fridge. <laughs> non aliens, ghosts too, Zool. <laughs> and th- th- there is some lovely little bits that you can see that the- there was a friendship still between Spielberg and George Lucas as well at this time mm. with the amount of Star Wars. Oh, God, yeah. You oh, know, good grief. Yeah. You got through uh, a name I love with the- over Star Wars figures. Was- yeah, I mean, you've got the name <laughs> in the Star Wars Greedo, figures. Hammerhead, Warus Man. <laughs> and I love the bit where they go, Name she's got treat and you know Fred. you've got yoda go past it goes home <laughs> that was a really good yoda mm. mask as well it probably was no kid made that it probably was yoda's mask <laughs> no well no yeah obviously yoda was a puppy's but uh this is a <laughs> human-sized mask but it is really well done it's far too good for a halloween mask apparently the I, I did see some time ago the an interview with um spilg about the auditioning for the lad that played elliot and apparently mm, they got mm. him to do the the end scene where he's E.T.'s he's dying or he's trying mm. to tell. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. apparently he had them all in floods of tears. It was like, yeah, you got <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So one of the special features, he actually got that uh, screen test. And at the end, you say, okay, cut. And he says, you got the part. This is there and then on camera. Yeah. None of this go back and forth. Which kid do we choose? No, you're the mm-hmm. one. <laughs> yeah. And it mm. does work so well. So the, the, the relationship then. between him and... Uh, yeah, the whole thing like ET, as their minds start to become one, you, you never <laughs> yeah, quite yeah. understand what's going on there. And it's obviously something no. ET is doing because oh, yeah, ET yeah. lets oh, yeah. it go. It's got a bit of telepathy and telekinesis. It's it, got some... Yeah, it might be that the ET race have a, a kind of like hive mind, although independent, because like the glowing Maybe. thing in a stomach, mm-hmm. and because it's away from heart. its part, its family, it's found it's another entity yeah. that it's, mm-hmm. it's connected with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the lovely scenes where he's, the famous scene where E.T.'s getting drunk and Elliot's getting <laughs> drunk. <laughs> yeah, releasing all the frogs. <laughs> that was, I, I couldn't believe, did they really do that? Yes. Dissecting yes. live frogs. Oh, blimey. To mm-hmm. knock them out and dissect them yeah, and watch yeah. the heart beating for it. Oh, wow. It, uh, when I saw that, it took me straight back to my biology lesson. Yes. Cool. You do that too. <laughs> yeah. We didn't do that. We did have uh, a rat mm, yeah. we got to, to look inside it, but we didn't, weren't cutting open live animals. I don't yeah, think ours were alive. I think ours were also came pre-packaged dead. Mm, yeah. Or they were fairly fresh, I suspect, but... Yeah, the other thing it reminded me of was the scene from, funny enough, Sarah Jane, yeah. um, the Doctor Who episode with where with, the, with Mickey screaming with the rats, you know, well, yeah. when were you last at school? <laughs> yeah, thought, yeah I'm sure they don't do that nowadays. They don't mm. do that now, but yeah. I, no, yeah. Okay, not. Particularly not if they're alive. That, that's mm. vivisection like that. That's yeah. terrible. That's terrible. Mind <laughs> you, one thing that absolutely destroyed E.T. for me was the uh, scene from Airplane 2. I don't know if anyone's seen that. 
I have a long time ago. I haven't seen it nearly as many times as Airplane 1. Um, no, it's a scene in the airport terminal where you just see a close-up of a phone and you just see this, long, this hand with a long, lone finger sort of pick <laughs> it up. No <laughs> idea. Yeah, pick it up and the guy it just says, all you can hear is like, phone home, phone home, <laughs> like that. And you just hear the operator say, that would be $3,800,000. <laughs> he just slaps, slams the receiver down in disgust. <laughs> that killed E.T. for me, that did. <laughs> I have to say, if I was Elliot, I'd be killing my little sister when I found out. I mean, talk about <laughs> give the game away all the way through it. Yeah. She was a right Mummy, I can't give this to you, they've gone. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought she was really good, Drew Barrymore. Uh, Drew Barrymore. Can, That's right. Yeah. You can really see it's her, even oh, though yeah. she's only six years old. Mm, it's yeah. so plainly her. I thought she was a really good little actor. Gertie. Gertie. Yeah. What, what Gertie. a name. What a name. But, uh, <laughs> you you very much get the feeling that. Elliot's convinced that if the government get hold of E.T., they're going to dissect him, which they will mm, do. Yeah. Well, only after he's died. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past any government. <laughs> but when you actually start to see the adults as people, not just mm. as authority and th- mm. figures, and the lead scientist, he's longed to see this all his life. And, you know, mm. he lets Elliot... Mm. And there becomes a more of a softness to it. And you know for where they're going to dissect E.T. if he's dead, but yeah, they're yeah. doing their mm. best Why to save they? him, mm. you know. Yeah. And and yeah. there's a, a gentleness, even though it's quite cold and clinical. Yeah, they're really made out to be scary, mm. a threat. Yeah. And then they're not when it comes down to it. But that's when you start to see them as people, not just as yeah. figures. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and when he chases after them and sees the alien and he's almost as touched as, as the mother by the whole relationship between E.T. and Elliot. But the bike, the bike ride scene is, you know, it's the famous one. <laughs> yeah, and there's so much about this film that I knew, even though I've never seen it. You know about the phone home thing. Mm, yeah. You know, I knew he was called Elliot, the kid. I knew that uh, E.T. dies and comes back to life. Yeah. There's so much this film is just part of the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. And when growing up, oddly, although I'd never seen the film, I had a board game of it. Blimey. Which had a little E.T. figure with a, a little plastic sheet that goes over the top. Like, ah. like his ghost mm-hmm. costume. <laughs> it's always been there, hasn't it? It was such a big thing at the time. Mm. Oh, yeah, but there again, I mean, if you want to see the whole E.T. mythos and mythology blown out of the water, just watch the movie Paul. Mm. Oh, I've got yeah. that. I've got that too. I've not watched it. I've had that for years. Maybe we should do that at some point. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, flying in front of the moon on the bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's part of the Spielberg. That's been parodied so many thing, times. Yeah. And I've done the oh. ride, did the ride. Yeah. Was it Universal Studios or MGM? It must be Universal. Mm-hmm. I did the ride back in 91. One of the big things with E.T., though, was it was one of the first, if not the first, where the extraterrestrial wasn't out to take over the planet, wasn't evil. Oh, no. Besides Ghost Encounters, clearly, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, it's really, really towards the end here. E.T.'s the main character. We're not, it's not like yeah. the blob or the body of the invasions. That's just <laughs> the thing. Yeah. yeah, or even the yeah. day the Earth stood still, which is uh, you know, the benevolent. The 50s B-movies. Yeah, yeah it's the first aliens. time you've, you've hmm. got a vulnerable alien. 
I mean, it's a child. Yeah. You you mm, do realise yeah. fairly quickly that it's this is a child, and it well, twisted presume, that yeah. whole idea of what the alien the ET is going to be like. I mean, it did give us that kind of like image of a grey, although it isn't a grey itself. It is that mm, kind of like really. slightly mm. in there. Getting close to character is much more of a grey. Yeah, mm. but it's one of the first films where you actually have real direct contact and interplay with with a an alien that mm. isn't wielding a gun, isn't out mm-hmm. to take over the universe, isn't out. Yeah, he's ac- he's lost his way. He's accidentally left behind, and all he wants to do is get home. Let's <laughs> get home. Yeah. <laughs> It is a portrayal of an alien, as I say, not bent on taking over the world. But Just well, want you if... to dress up as a bag lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if and when sort of first contact you know, takes place, that will be the sort of um, encounter it will be, sort of you know, a peaceable sort of, you know, sort of swapping of uh, information and minds. Mm, lovely. Not some creepy naked alien in the bushes outside a kid's uh, bedroom. <laughs> Hold on, there's Zach, you had Will do the ray gun. <laughs> <laughs> Probing with his uh, right yeah. up. Um, I wonder. Why... <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder why his finger was so long, though. <laughs> when you first see the hand, it reminded mm. me a lot of the 1950s War of the Worlds. Mm. Yes, but that's quite deliberate. They start off implying these aliens are somehow malevolent. Mm-hmm. You gradually get to understand they're not. Yeah, but I'm sure everybody who watched it at the time knew of E.T. and E.T. Mm. is a good guy. With all the press trailers and everything, I'm sure everybody knew. Mm. But I wonder if anybody did go in not knowing if E.T. was good or bad. Mm. They'd be a minority, though. Yeah. I would imagine they were, even mm. back then. Obviously, now you just can't mm. help but, uh, oh, but know that E.T. is a, a good one. Like Alf. It's basically the same plot as Alf. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> the less said no, about Alf, Alf, the better. Alf is <laughs> the same plot as this, given the time difference. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I saw Alf first. <laughs> the, the, the other film that, that, that it reminds me, although I've actually, one of the films I've never seen, but you can see where someone sat there and went, so what if we have a family goes away at Christmas and leaves their kid at home alone? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was a terrible mother, though, in this, wasn't she? She was a terrible mother <laughs> okay she was going through a, a messy divorce she was she was not in a good place but still she was just leaving her six-year-old daughter to st- go and do whatever the hell she wants half the time let alone her sons oh dear <laughs> so our general uh, the general consensus of opinion is you know watch et yeah i was going to say something about give it a big thumbs up or fingers up you know, sort of. <laughs> i don't think it was quite as affecting as I expected it to mm-hmm. be. Yeah. Particularly the end scene. I think the only thing which really saved the ending was John Williams. Mm-hmm. That was an incredible soundtrack. Oh, isn't and it? The score of this film mm-hmm. is incredible. Again, he won, he won mm-hmm. uh, awards aplenty as he has ever. But w- without that music, I'm not sure mm-hmm. it would have been quite as it good. Wouldn't be the, it wouldn't have been the same film. No, no, I don't think it would have been. It's amazing what they managed to do with that puppet and sometimes person in the suit of E.T., mm-hmm. You did feel that connection, although obviously now we can, we can see it by today's standards. It's not a particularly great animatronic, but it works, and that's surprising. No, for the time it worked, yeah. Yeah, I wonder how I would have felt about it if I'd seen it when I was eight or ten or whatever mm-hmm. back in the day. It's almost so cliched now because everything has taken inspiration mm. from it. Mm. It feels I think well, that's unoriginal, problem. even yeah. though it's not his fault, clearly. That's the problem sometimes when you watch the original. So far after, yeah. Mm. When it's such a big cultural impact. Yeah. The movie that, that was made a few years ago, was it 
I can't remember the person. Something of Mars. John Carter. John, John Carter. Carter of Mars. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. that's the books that all of those kind of like movies have been based on. But because mm. that book was written a hundred odd plus years ago, oh, but it's never yeah. been made a yeah. film before. Mm. When it's turned into a film, it looks like it's copying all the things and movies that have been made that have actually plagiarized it. Yeah. So sometimes the the originator sometimes falls foul of time. Yeah. Not necessarily the copies, but where people have taken that ideas or when something does become so much part of the public consciousness, as you say. Exactly. You you never saw it, but you've seen all of those bits Mm. done elsewhere. You can't help but sort of like compare them back and go, oh, well, that was better than that. Well, yeah, because time's moved yeah. on, but that was yeah, the original. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's some, you know, somewhat derivative. Yeah. yeah, you can't put those memories on hold. You can't turn no. off those parts of your memory and see it as people would have seen it back then. But I am impressed that they never did a sequel. I think it's good they didn't do a sequel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's sort of film where a sequel would likely have detracted from mm-hmm. the original, yeah. I think. For a short time, they did want to do a sequel the studio particularly wanted them to do a sequel and spielberg to kick around some ideas that never came out of the he liked particularly mm-hmm. but the studio accepted it and said okay we will throw and do it which is nowadays i think they would just take it out of the hands of the original creation mm-hmm. and just go with somebody else and say you do a sequel for it then i'm not sure what you would do as a sequel to this whether the temptation would be for Elliot to go to their planet or something mm-hmm. or or just to rehash the entire thing with E.T. coming back and more hijinks of them having to run around a city avoiding yeah. the, uh, mm-hmm. the authorities yeah. and uh, the obvious cliched stuff. Mm-hmm. I think um, in some ways I'm glad they, they didn't succumb to that. Although there has yeah. been a sequel, you know, E.T. has come back and saw Elliot. If you saw yes, the I Christmas saw adverts yeah. from a few years back. Oh, <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah. Which is quite well done, actually. Mm. It's basically <laughs> just a retelling of, without mm. the NASA or whoever they were meant to be, people. It's basically a retelling of the original story, wasn't it? <laughs> there, was, there was an advert where the, the kids, Elliot's kids are in the garden. And, yeah, uh, yes, yeah. that's it. A Comcast, I think, in the US, and there's Sky over here. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Anything else anyone wants to add? The only thing we should say is that the moment E.T. died, for whatever reason, it was a little unclear how he died and got better, but, you know, there we go. <laughs> got better. Space Jesus. <laughs> the moment he died, all of the biocontainment just gave up with it. But anyway. <laughs> they wanted to autopsy him. They were happy he died. Mm, they were rich to do it, yeah. Yeah, but if he's just died, it's even more of a biohazard, surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite good, although mm. I feel it would have been a lot better back in the 80s than it is now. Mm. Yeah, no. not there's any way bad, but it's just mm, <laughs> been there, done that. As we say, not his fault. <laughs> anyway, it is his fault. It's too say, too damn popular. It, it, it hadn't <laughs> been there and done it at that point. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So, dear listeners, if you've never seen it, why have you not seen it? Or if you have seen it for the first time, or again recently, what you thought of ET by email is at show at staggering stories dot net. Woo-hoo. So no feedback, I'm afraid, this time. Please write to us. I know. What do we do? What do we do to drive them all away? I think we've successfully driven them all away. <laughs> <laughs> Our disrespect of canine and company. That's nice. <laughs> be outcast now. Yes. Pariahs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But if you have a different opinions on that or anything else, you can write to us. We won't say it again. We'll say it a second again. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's. Uh, I think you just need this and need this into the sunset, Crumbly. Yes. Yep. And so, dear listeners, that brings us to the end of another podcast. Aww. Uh, but never fear, in the next one, hopefully we should have a full compliment. Mm, hopefully. Mm, but in the next one, there'll be more fun, frivolity and jollity, and more news and reviews, more who old and new. So until that, e. e. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Exuberant. Excrement. Execrable. Exciting. <laughs> Exhilarating. Excuse. <laughs> comes, <For a> emulate- <laughs> comes emulating towards us. Oof. This is me, Crumbly, saying, be seeing you. This is Jean saying au revoir. Goodbye. Oh, no, go bye-byes. Oh, this is weird. <laughs> you have been listening to the Staggering Stories podcast, Series 1, number 363. Featuring Adam J. Purcell, Andy Simpkins and Gene Riddler. The views expressed here are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers or the sites. No copyright infringement is intended and this is an El Presidente production for www.staggeringstories.net. Now, where's my tea? So I want to all sounds of all dungeons, you know, all whips, chains. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, no. Carry on, no. Oh, no. Oh, you shouldn't really. Don't stop, don't stop, no. Will we do E.T. first or... Game name. <laughs> Up to you. Let's do K9. All right. Well, have you, I've had my jab. Have you had your jab yet? Uh, Thursday week. Uh, I don't know when I'm getting my second one. They didn't give me the date. No, I didn't get a date. No, because um, one of the guys at work, he was telling me about the uh, NHS online booking system. Over 55s are eligible for that, so I just yeah, went online, Yeah. gave my name, date of birth and all that kind of thing, and just said, yeah, when and where do you want it done? Yeah. At the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Location, not, um, <laughs> not, not anatomy. <laughs> Yes, dear listener, this might be a rather short podcast tonight. Aren't you so lucky? (laughs) (laughs) I watched the extras for the Terror of the Autons, and it was really interesting listening to Sasha Darwin talk about Delgado. And I hadn't realised he was saying how still Delgado is. Oh, really? All the masters have been quite effervescent and what Mm, have you. Certainly in you, apart from maybe Yano, but yeah. But how little... He actually moves. And it wasn't until mm. he said it. And, you know, you've got scenes and he's doing his entire dialogue. And he physically has not moved. But the presence on the screen is, like, <laughs> screaming at you. <laughs> interesting. I wonder how much of that is character, how much of that is... Mm. Mm. Because, himself. because they're used to being on the stage. Mm. I think a lot much of it is was... Because of the way they've got multi-camera and they need to stick to their mark. I, I get the feeling it was character because it wasn't like everyone yeah. else was being still. It's a palatable, it's control, if you know what I mean. Mm. Even when he does move, it's all very controlled and mm. it's a power thing rather than anything else. I've seen him in a few other things and, it, you know, when having to be not the master, he's rolling around and quite active. So I, I think it's very mm. much a, a personification that... But I'd never really observed it before until, you know, you're getting someone who's looking at someone they're playing going, 
oh, they're playing it totally different to how I've played it and and mm. spotting mm-hmm. the differences, but also spotting some of the similarities as well. Mm. Um, that was a really interesting yeah. on the sofa. Did he? Does he mention if he looked at any of the previous masters when he, Apparently, he took the role? Apparently, he, he tried to avoid doing so, so okay. as to not end up playing mm. a previous master. Mm, okay. He'd seen them and knew knew them, but he didn't observe. Yeah. He didn't rewatch. Yeah, probably wouldn't know Delgado unless he'd gone out of his way to to look at Classic yeah. Who. So that he not, he, he can't wasn't be old enough for Delgado. That's it. So he wasn't really then playing someone else's version of mm. that character. And he's saying, you know, that you could see there's elements of similarity between the Doctor and the Master of the Do- Delgado's Master, and he was saying that when he played it, he did look back at the different characters of the Doctor and he pinched some of the Doctor's mannerisms, like holding the lapels and that kind of stuff, was literally (laughs) all the Master trying to mirror the Doctor. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's it's a very interesting on the the sofa. 